Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to the Spirit of Sport for the Council of Churches, a part of 1170 since 1932. Hey there, it's Timmy Manor, and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight, like he does every week, it's Big Bad Benny Little. Thank you, thanks for having me, appreciate it. Yeah, no, you know it's a pleasure to have you here. Mm. You, you really just take this place on a level. Mm-hmm. Hey, Spirit of Sport, we play some uh, great songs, but we also have some great guests on here. Yes, we do. And our guest tonight, I'm so, so excited. This is taking me about, oh, I want to say two and a half, three months to get this guy oh, on here. He's, he's a busy man. Uh, he's in Sydney today, so let me tell you a bit about him. He, across a 10-year career in the professional rugby league, our guest played over 100 games in both Australia and England. Ooh. He made his NRL debut for the Parramatta Eels in round one of 2011 that against Eels. the New Zealand Warriors. I remember that game like it was yesterday. A moment I'm proud to say I was there for. There you go. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> he was uh, one of the toughest and fiercest competitors I got to play alongside, and I'm so glad he joined us. Our guest on the Spirit of Sport tonight is former NRL player Mitchell all good. It's on the way. I'm so glad you joined us, Mitchell. Thank Cheers, you. Yes. Mitchell, I miss you, man. How you been? Been really good, thanks, Timmy. Thanks for having me today, man. Grateful to be here. Oof. Now, I don't, I don't want to start off being a bit of a narc, but can you just talk in the microphone a little oh, bit? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. There we sorry, go. Sorry, Here sorry, he sorry. is. <laughs> Here he is. Studio. Yeah, it's, it's very rare. We haven't had a, someone in the studio for a while, Benny. And it's, nah. it's like we're a bit too excited. We don't know what to do. Well, yeah, I'm sweating. I'm going to take the jumper off in a second. Yeah, yeah. Get crazy. Now, now Mitch. Fill us in. What, are, what have you been doing with yourself? I know you uh, obviously have been on quite the adventure. You're a journeyman in the game. And uh, now, can you give us a bit of an idea of what you're doing with your life? Yeah, I retired about 18 months ago. I was playing over in London at the time. Um, obviously, things happened in the world out of our control. And I ended, oh, up, yeah. ended up stopping a little bit sooner than I thought I would. But that's okay. We sort of just rolled with it. We've come back to Australia. Now, I'm just sort of in that life after footy journey, just sort of finding myself, juggling three kids, being married and just trying to make the most of life. How old are you? 32. Yeah, he's still young, still a baby. Yeah. He can still play. His still body his body says he can still play. Yeah. And we're going to get into his body a bit later. We're going to talk about <laughs> some of the... Uh, well, I, I know how that sounds. I know how that sounds. We're going to talk about some of his uh, nutrition habits over, oh, over the years. Oh, here we go. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, Mitchell, uh, you're, you talk a bit and you touched on it a little bit then mm. about trying to find yourself. And I want to talk about that a bit later as well because you are a deep thinker. You are a deep thinker, and I think it'd be really um, worthwhile for our listeners to hear a bit about your journey and, and your, you know, of, of how you kind of look at life now compared to what you did, I guess, 10 years ago. So it'd be really interesting to chat about that. But let's, let's go back to where it all started. Um, well, not where it all started, but um, where your footy journey started. Yeah. Um, what made you get into rugby league, and, and how did you end up um, playing first grade at the mighty Paramount Eels? Yeah, I think... Um I was a young little boy, had a lot of energy, and my parents were just looking for something to tire me out. I think I was four years old when they put me in under sixes. Um, that turned into something I was extremely passionate about and absolutely loved. Yeah. Um, I signed with Para for that first year of under 20s. I came over, um, played for the club. I was there for about seven years. Obviously played alongside you, Timmy, and mm. um, then my sort of career took me overseas for about three years. I returned home, was at the Dragons for two seasons before finishing up, like I said, in London. And what was like the, the I guess, the feeling of playing first grade? You said you started playing footy when you were four. Yeah. Um, you know, playing first grade probably would have been a dream come true. What was it like 
to finally have that feeling of, you know, like mm. I made it. Yeah, in New Zealand, round one. Yeah. What was that like? It was, um, it's hard to describe. I was very proud. I felt very proud to, um, you know, achieve a goal that we set out for so long ago. It was just a, obviously a dream. And, you know, how awesome would that be one day? It's one of those sort of wishes you have growing up. And to actually bring that to life and, um, you know, achieve that was huge. I think the biggest thing was making my parents proud. I think that was the best thing about the occasion too. And the, do you remember what it felt like when, you, when Steve Kearney first told you you're going to be playing? What do you remember about the game? Was there any certain memories about that round one game that kind of stand out now when you look at your debut? Yeah, we, we played at Eden Park, actually. It was a rare sort of, um, well, meant to be at Auckland at the main home ground, but there was, I think, something that happened. And we were, oh, yes, Eden yeah. Park. I remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was a huge magic stadium, too. Yeah. I think there was like 35,000. We had captains run there the day before as well, didn't we? Yes. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it was a good day. Um, the whole That whole week leading up to it, after Mook sort of gave me the news, um, just taking it all in like disbelief you know sort of shock i remember even one of the kickoffs during the game and i was having that moment like wow i'm, <laughs> I'm on the field playing nrl right now but i had a lot of good people around me i had people like yourself even hainsey um give me lots of good advice along the, on the day and um really guided me through that that first game did you have any standouts that first season of the senior guys um like getting around you and supporting you any standout people that really helped um Geez, everyone sort of played a little role. Someone that's probably surprising was Fui Fui, isn't he? Like, yeah, as a, as he's a, a mentor, leader. Yeah, yeah, as a mentor for the young front rowers coming through. Um, you know, he I guess he has this persona that gets portrayed through the media, like he doesn't speak English and, you know, he's a bit of a larrikin and stuff, which he definitely is. But he looks after the young guys coming through so much. He'll pull you aside at the end of a session, maybe going through the pads, always talking to you, always giving you bits of advice. Um, so he was huge. Yeah, yeah. definitely. He's yeah, still awesome. playing the food dog. He'll play for everything. <laughs> He's still playing. <laughs> what, it'd be about 58 years old. Who knows how old he is. I think he might have a bit of that Benjamin Button thing where he like goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the carver. Well, yeah, all the carver. Mate, you're not wrong. It probably does work. Yeah. But yeah, he's still playing over there in the UK. I think he would just play forever. Yeah. And, and yeah, I can see him that happening. <laughs> uh, you talk about the UK. What was it like making the transition, I guess, from you know, the NRL over to the other side of the world? Um, taking your, did you have a young family at the time? No, we had Peter over there. I'd been yep. over there for about 12 months before we had um, my first son, Peter. But making that move over there at the time, you know, there was a lot of things to weigh up. I was, I was 25. You know, I thought I still had a lot to offer in the NRL. I'd, had, I'd just come off having a surgery and I got the opportunity for a three-year deal. And that securities and, you know, the opportunity for a big change in that too um, sort of led me over there. And it was exactly what I needed. So um, that whole experience being over there, being away from family, sort of breaking away from you know, the people I was hanging around or I guess the persona I sort of had to uphold among some of my younger mates. I really matured a lot uh, and grew up and become a man when I was over there. Yeah, wow. What were some of the key lessons you reckon that really hit home while you were in going through that season? Yeah, um, just the being detached from my family, being away from, I really realised how much I, um, I value being around my parents, yeah. you know, my sister, um, good people like that. I sort of, I grew up a lot being removed from certain situations or, you know, people you grow up with, it's sort of, sometimes you can outgrow certain situations, especially once you have a son. Everything changed for me when I had my, when I had my little boy. Yeah. Um, and I could feel when I would come back home in that off season, you know, sort of being drawn around these people and they wanted me to uphold that persona, like, you know, young Mitchie going out, partying, enjoying himself. The big ox. Yeah, and that wasn't, that wasn't me anymore. And, yeah. you know, it was a tough sort of breakaway. And I don't think I would have been able to mature and grow up as much if, if I didn't get myself overseas at the time. What triggered that, Lockie? I know you, I know you personally, I know you have changed a lot over the years. 
Yeah. What was the trigger that made you go, okay, I've got to, I've got to change the way I live my life because the way I'm, I was doing it or I am doing it isn't the way I want to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, it was definitely having my boy. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of things in life that you, you can teach my children. Well, this is the way I look at it anyway. There's a lot of things I can teach my boys. I can teach them how to tie their shoelaces, how to count, you know, those sort of things. But, but being a man, that's something I have to show them. Mm. And oh. I don't want to wait till they're 16 or 17 or 18 to mm. say, oh, I'll show you how to be a man now. Yeah. That's a forever thing. So I wanted to act in a way in which I'll be, I'll be happy if my boys receive this growing up. Mm. I want to be that example of the man I want them to become. Um, you know, so that's, that's what I strive to do every day. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's it. So true, isn't it? Leading by example, not just what you say, yep. but what you do, yeah. and what flows out of your life. Isn't it crazy how much kids take on board too, eh? Like they, they watch every movement you make, they watch you, the way you behave, the way you talk. Mm. Um, and that's why I guess it's so important like for me as well. Like the way I treat my wife is important because th- I know my daughter's watching me one day. Mm. Yeah. And however I treat my wife is how she's going to expect to be treated yes. yeah. by her future husband. So, mm. yeah. you know, you've got to kind of think, what do I want my daughter to experience yeah. when she grows up and that's you know a big part of why it's important to always show that love and appreciation for your wife in front of your kids definitely um, mitch you know you talk about you you probably could have kept playing you're 32 years old looking back though you still you played over 100 professional games over 10 years the, the average career at the moment is three years yeah do you look back sometimes and pitch yourself and think gee i like I, I played a decade of professional sport yeah for sure i'm extremely grateful for rugby league and being able to make a career out of it for such a long time. I know how fortunate I am to, to have been able to have done that. Um, you know, not only for the success of playing rugby league, but the people I was able to meet, the, you know, the growth I was able to have as a, as a man, um, yeah, extremely grateful for that. What would you say now, looking back to like 22 year old you, what would be a few pointers you'd give yourself? Man, you know what? <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything if it, you know, could potentially make me not be where I am now. Yeah. You know, everything happens for a reason. Um, yeah, there's a lot of um, silly things that we <laughs> make. <laughs> Timmy's looking like there's a lot. Uh, well, let's go, let's go to a public one as well. Like your, your career, for all its amazing uh, feats, it's always going to be marred by one moment of madness. Oh, gosh. Uh, so let's, let's, let's go there to right now. So Brookvale Oval. Oh, no, Timmy. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're, we're playing Manny Seagulls. Yeah. And... Uh, Steve Maddai, who's a, a known antagonist, aggressive, big hitter, intimidating. Yeah. Uh, he decides to come up to the big ox, Mitchell Orgood, made the wrong decision that day. No, he wasn't all uh, good that day. And oh. I remember watching Stevie come thinking, oh, well, what's, what's, what's going to happen here? And Are you before, on the field? Are you on the field? No, I'm on the bench, so Ooh. I had a good view of it. Ooh. And before he, like, before anything ever happened, Mitch has just gone, <laughs> put one on his chin. I'm like, whoa, and I was like, I escalated really quickly. Yeah. Um, you give us, you probably know a lot more what happened than us because you were there, yeah. living it in the in the moment. Tell us a bit about what happened that night. Oh, uh, look, I think it was an accident. Like, I, <laughs> I blacked out what happened. Yeah. I, was, I was concussed. No, like, I just, I just sort of did it. I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about it. It's sort of just something that happened. Um. You know, and then once I'd thrown the first punch, I thought, well, I may as well keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, on I'm here. already yeah. here. I'm, but I'm in this deep. Yeah, it was just a situation that sort of happened. I've actually never spoke about it, really. Um, Does it come up? Exclusive. Do people like, ask you about it? <laughs> see an exclusive. People always try to ask about it. 
Um, so you're giving us a bit more insight than you have in the past. So we appreciate is, that. <laughs> so if this you is the place to do it. Yeah, listeners of SEN 1170 right now tonight, yeah. I want you to understand that we've got this the big ox here. Exclusive. This, this event happened in Brookvale many years ago. 12 years ago. And we're really, it's like a therapy class today. We're it reliving is. it. We're telling us a bit about what happened. Um, now, Timmy, back mm. to my question. Wh- what would you do different talking to the first year you? As in, or what would you, what advice in that would moment? You give you? No, what advice would you give you First year. Oh, in my career? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh there's so much advice I'd give you. Because so much has made oh. us, made you who you are today. But then, is there any <sighs> principles that you're like, oh, oh I wish yeah, I knew yeah, that one? Yeah, there's so many things. I've probably spoken to Mitch about it as well. Um, uh, my biggest regret, I guess, in my career, which I wish I could, like, you know, change a bit if I went back to a younger me, is not getting involved in the politics of the game. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? I feel like mm. anyone that knows rugby league, as a kid, the best part about playing footy as a kid is the innocence of just playing the game you love. Yeah. You're just yeah, yeah. out there playing because you're having fun and it's what you love doing. Yeah. I got captain. I got made captain when I was 25, so about halfway through my career. Um, in the last seven years, since getting made captain, we all look back now, that's kind of when I, everything started shifting and it wasn't as fun. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, and Parramatta had a lot going on, so we had different, you know, I don't know, five or six different CEOs come and go, different boards, different coaches, different CEOs. Uh, uh, what else do we have? Just different staff. Everyone yeah. just kept getting, you remember what it was like? Yeah. And, you know, I guess for me, just trying to stay neutral and not get it because you just didn't know who's, who's going to come in next. And, yeah. um, but then just seeing that ugly side of sport and then everyone trying to drag you every which way. And I guess as captain, you kind of look a, a figurehead. So it wasn't, the, the captaining the boys is the easy part. It was uh, getting dragged the left and right. And, you know, um, this person wants to do this and this coach wants you to say this to the boys yeah. and this person wants you to. Yeah. And you stop thinking for yourself. The things that I thought, you know, I probably would have disagreed with morally. Like, you know, I need you to say this to the group tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That wouldn't be my instinct. I wouldn't do that. But, you know, if you know, your coach is saying it or your CEO or someone's telling you to do it, they, they, you know, I'm a team player. This is for the club. They must know what's best. And you kind of you know, convince yourself, okay, mate, it's probably the right thing to do. And you do it. And now looking back, I'm thinking all those times I did that, I'm thinking, I don't think – I should have just stuck with my gut and looked back and I go, you know what, there's so many times I kind of sold out what I thought was right just for the think, thinking I was doing the, the good of the whole club or the whole team. And yeah. so that's probably my biggest regret. Like if I could tell a younger person, younger Timmy, I'd probably say just just play for the love of the sport. Just don't get involved in anything outside of your, your love for the game. Yeah, that's good. So how, much, how much do the young guys get um, supported with like understanding money and what to do with their finances and creating wealth um, in their life? It's it's a matter of how much you want to understand yeah. it, you know. Like um, I was pretty fortunate; good people in my life that helped guide me. But uh, it's definitely an area that can get into. Your first contract comes through. It's like Ooh. that said that the players got to want to learn. You know, it's one thing providing um, you know the resources and allowing them to have the ability to learn. Mm. Uh, it's another thing a player trusting someone and, and taking it on board. Um, Mitch, what about you? How did you find all that stuff? Did you think there was enough resources? Were did, were you offered enough opportunity to learn about money, or was it not a, not a big priority at the club at the time? At the time, it, it's changed a lot. You know, since we first sort of come into grade, the yeah. the opportunities now for players to engage, um, even just the role of the the wellness and education mm. um, staff within the club, they're constantly coming to the players now with you know opportunities to study courses, um, things to do to educate himself on different topics. So I think there's a lot more availability yeah. of that sort of stuff now. Um, and like you said, they've got to want to. You, it's, they've got to opt in. You can't yeah. force someone to do anything. Yeah, totally. And it's hard to um, young and you're focused. On and there's trust issues in. as well, isn't it? There's like, 
there's always those trust issues. Mm. A lot of these kids come from, you know, not much money at all. They get given money and then all of a sudden you have someone telling you, oh, this is what you should do with it and you should do this with it. And like, there's a part of like, who are you to tell me what yeah. to do with my money? Yeah, totally. um, there's also the part of it that you want to enjoy it. Like, you know, you've <laughs> finally got some money and then it's, you want to go like, you know, spend it and buy things. And all of a sudden someone's saying, no, you got to save it and don't, you know, save it for a house. And, and even though it's common sense now that you're older, when you're young, people telling you to, to save it, you're like, no, no, I want to use it. I finally got money. Yeah. Um, it's definitely an area that can get better. Um, Seems yeah. like clubs are developing with their like holistic approach to the player. Yeah. It's not just footy for the yeah. player. There's they are, and I, like to be honest, if I'm being transparent, I'm I'm involved in the finance world now, so I understand it a lot. Yeah. Um, but I also understand um, the footy world. I understand the the barriers there, where you know I, I wouldn't feel comfortable just walking up to their players and saying, hey, let me help you with the finances because mm. it's something they've got to want to want. You know, mm. like it's if someone comes up to you and asks, hey, can you give me a hand? Then it's a different story. But to chase someone and ask them and try to like force them to get help yeah. it's a it's not something that you want to do yeah um, such a personal uh, intimate thing isn't it it is yeah finances, and it's, it's trusting too the last yeah. thing you want to do is you know let someone down as well so if someone's coming to you for help then you can definitely steer them in the right direction uh, the only reason why i got involved with finance actually i got to thank football for that i um mitch i know this is your day as well we'll come back to you <laughs> <laughs> um but I was, he does this every show. Yeah, I, can, yeah. I can leave, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Long story short, I finished my education and I had nothing to do. I did, took 10 years to get my business degree. And then I was helping a lot of the boys with their home loans. So I was doing all the paperwork for them and filling it because I've done a fair few. So then before I know it, the club was like, well, why don't you do an actual course in, in, in finances so you can learn how to actually do it properly and help people better. So that's how I got forced into it. I was like, yeah, yeah I've got spare time now. I'll just do it. So that's kind of what trained me. Back to Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell, you're... you're Post career is actually really exciting, and that's why I've been trying to get you on the show for so long. Because yeah. there's not, and, and we have a lot of post footy, a lot of retired boys on the show. You've got something very, very unique about you. One, or well, there's a few things, but one of them is your work ethic is ridiculous. Like, and that's your you made your career based on how hard you work, and that's not a secret. I'm not saying you're not talented, but you built your career back on the back of hard work. So, the fact that you have that already gives you a head start in your post football life. But then also. You're a very, very deep thinker, um, which isn't very common, I guess, in our in our sport. Like, it's, there's a lot of smart people, but not really a lot of real deep thinkers. And, I'm, and I'll put my hand up, so I'm not a very deep thinker either. Um, it's just, but you kind of look at things a lot differently. Um, we've had some really good chats over the years with a few of our old teammates. And um, what is it that you want to do with your life? What is it you can see yourself doing? And what's um, a passion of yours? Yeah. Um, you know, I suppose the, the back end of my career, I started doing some study and education around, you know, potentially transitioning into like a wellness and education role within a, within a club. I was lucky enough in that final year when I was at the Dragons, I was able to, you know, do the part-time role in that, in that space. And I really enjoyed my time doing that. Um, you know, pulling up and finishing up playing a little bit sooner than I had sort of planned to originally. I fell into some different work and mentoring some some young boys on the South Coast, some Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander boys, um, working with some other people in different fields too. And I've, I realised that that same like genuine care that I have and that desire to help people and support people, it, it's not just limited to, to rugby league players or mm. athletes. Yeah. I mean, I have that desire to help everyone. Um, and that's sort of like something within me that fulfills me. Um, so I'm, I'm looking to pursue that moving forward is you know what i do full time mm. you know i've put some things in place now to um, mentor 
in the rugby league space too. I'm, I've taken on a coaching role too on the South Coast for the Barry Magpies. Yes. Cool. That, that in itself has just been such a huge learning experience and um, awesome, like being back involved in a club. We started to speak before we um, went on air about, you know, connection and community and those sort of things that are missing in the world right now. And rugby league clubs, they, they, they are community. Mm. That's the place where men go for connection. You know, that's where they go for support. That's where they got their, they're sort of like your brotherhood. You know, yeah. someone's moving house, let's all help him out. You know, oh, you got a problem, you know, your, with your plumbing. Oh, you know, Jack's a plumber sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that's our community and our connection. And that's, that's where I can see myself working, you know, providing that community, providing that connection for, for men, for women, for anyone who needs it. So we've been, you know, over the last six months working on a program, you know, sort of coaching program, um, looking at facilitating sort of events where we can bring people together, have conversations. I think a lot of healing and a lot of work starts yeah. with deep conversation. Um, to give people some tools and maybe some of the resources to support and look after themselves. And just, like I was saying, just connect, get, get back involved, get back around people because I think that's what's missing in the world right now. Yeah. How did you first kind of pick up that that was something that you wanted to be getting into and something that was kind of uh, organically flowing out of your life, so to speak? Yeah, I, I just found myself falling into that role in right. friendships, growing up, you know, in teams, you know, being around younger players, sort of looking after them. I, I could always see myself being the, the person people turn to at times. Right. Um, and I love being that, playing that role for people, um, you know, through conversations with the wellness and education uh, department when I was at the Dragons. You know, I saw that that was an option and that was a path that I would really like to pursue. Mm. Um, and rugby league was my world at the time too. So yeah. it's hard when you're playing the game to sort of see yourself doing anything other than being sort of involved in footy yeah. at times. It can really consume you. And I saw that and the support that I was provided at times as well um, at the club when I was at Dragons, I thought if I have the opportunity that I could do this for someone else, right. it's something I want to do. Yeah. Any standout moments that of you like hands-on with helping someone out that have just been really fulfilling for you over the years? Any yeah. standout stories or moments? Um, well, I know the sort of like the catalyst, I guess, now when we're just sort of having that that conversation, it was the care I received myself. So I feel like I, I'm very good at like, you know, being there for other people, but sometimes I don't want to put my hand up and take it myself. If someone yeah. was moving house, for example, like, yeah, I'll give you a hand. But yeah. if I was moving, I'd be like, I don't want to burden anyone. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but whilst I was at the Dragons in my final year, I had some stuff going on outside of football with my, my little boy. Mm. Um, and the club were amazing for me. Scotty and Holly, who were the wellness and education staff at the, at the club, they supported me and my family um, and gave us, you know, we wouldn't have got through that time without them. Oh, good. And after experiencing that, I was like, you know, if I can, if I can be that person for someone else, mm. especially in, you know, in the game, you know, that's what I want to do. Yeah. It's yeah. so much bigger than... Football or any sport, hey, hundred percent. Yeah, Benny asked about hands-on ex experience of helping someone. Yeah, and you said you couldn't think of something. <laughs> Something's came to mind. Oh no, what? <laughs> I'm scared when something comes to mind. For you. Now I don't know how open you are to talk about this on air, mm. um, but I would love for you to tell Benny the story of how you <laughs> delivered your last two children. Oh, that was hands-on support. That <laughs> was hands-on support. That bro. was very wow. hands-on support. So let's 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 take a set. Take a set. Paint the picture for Benny. Okay. Um, so my wife's a very, she's a very strong woman, very educated woman, very, um, she's, yeah, she's like all women, all women who grow babies, give birth, man. Like that's, that's the ultimate strength, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess our sort of progression as parents and, you know, our views on birth and the way that sort of took us, 
my wife, um, we free birthed our last baby. So that was just her and I at home. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So she, she did it all. She did all the work. You know, I was just sort of there. Um, we're in the kitchen. She felt the baby coming. You know, to be honest, it was a bit dark and stuff at the time. So I didn't, and it was a bit surreal. She was just sort of like making this really loud noise. I didn't really know what was sort of going on, but before I knew it, she was just pulling our little, our daughter Florence. Well, that is easy. Is it? So that on that time she just she just got it done. She just squatted down, boom, birthed, picked her up on her chest, and said, "I'm going to bed." No way. And she just walked into bed, and now she was done. And you just stayed in the kitchen through the dishes. I was no. Do you know what? He was cool up in the ball crying. <laughs> <laughs> this that was a, that was our second one. I was a bit. We just we'll say the happy story. Yeah, say the happy story. But that in itself shows how good women are at multitasking. Because not only was she delivering a baby, but she was also like. Supporting me, like it's okay. <laughs> I'm sobbing. It's like it's okay. I got this. No worries. But, uh, yeah. It's not easy for you, is it? It's not easy for the husband. I, I, oh listen, I know this is going to really <laughs> test our listenership because I want to write a book. Oh, I'm write a book about how challenging the birthing process is for men. Wow. Now it's very controversial. Everyone, you had me everyone want to write a book. Everyone, oh, everyone, everyone I say that to wants to slap me. But I'm, <laughs> Okay, I get it. It's very hard for women. It is ridiculously hard for women. But uh -oh. Oh, here we go. there's also, you know, like my wife was in labor for uh, 21 hours. Yeah. You know, I didn't sleep the night before because it was New Year's oh, Eve. Yeah, okay. So, you know, we're looking at two days of no sleep <laughs> and trying to be supportive. Guys, if there's any men out there listening, please call, yeah. call the, the, the line. Over three seven. Nice well, there's no women go. listening. They've all gone now. Yeah, well, I apologize to the women. There's, listen, I, I let me be very clear. You're the heroes. You're, you're extremely amazing at what you do when you give birth. I'm just saying that you got to just give some recognition that the guy that's rubbing your back and trying to put up with you, screaming at them and squeezing their hand, yeah. they, they, they deserve some credit too. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, well, I just want to say, you know, I appreciate being the final guest on the show before it gets cancelled. Yeah, no, we're, we're cancelled. We're gone. We are gone. Uh, the Spirit of Sport has done some um, some good work over the years, yeah. over the year anyway. So we'll um, we'll see you guys on the other side. Yeah. Okay, now let's let's get back to to business, mate. Um, so you you go over to the UK, you came back, but then you went back over. I know you had a, like you, you struggled a bit the first time. Mm. What made you want to go back for more? Well, that final year um, when I was at the Dragons. You know, it was interrupted a lot by things we had going on outside of footy. So I wasn't really on the field too much. Um, I had the opportunity to stay and sort of start transitioning to life after footy then, but I didn't think I was ready. I thought I still wanted to be playing footy. Um, the opportunity to go back over to London and continue playing, I guess for me, it was sort of my way of going out on my own terms too and, and sort of doing it my way. Uh, we're a lot more mature and, you know, evolved since that first time we were sort of over there and we, we saw it as a good opportunity. We fast forward a couple of months after signing we fly over within three weeks the whole place is in lockdown oh. um, season cancelled oh. in London too yeah, yeah. full on yeah. so you know obviously it didn't go to plan but worked out probably even better you know opportunity for us as a family sort of connect yeah. you know have some time to sort of where you couldn't do anything we just were forced to sort of sit there um, have some good conversations about some of the stuff we'd sort of gone through and now that was probably one of the most well, it was the biggest years for us with our growth and looking inwards, um, which is probably our foundation now for life yeah. after rugby league. That's awesome. That's actually really cool. And you touch on Mads. Um, she's, yep. all, she's a legend. But also, you, you, you and her are both ambassadors for Project Rescue Children. Yes. Give us a bit of uh, insight about what they do and how you can involve with them. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So Project Rescue Children is a non-for-profit charity um, created in 2017 by Adam Whittington. That's the, you know, their mission is to stop child exploitation and, and trafficking. Um, you know, works all over the world, Adam. He goes, there's not a place or country who doesn't go. Does work in Australia too. A lot of stuff online um, with online grooming and, you know, children falling victim to some of the, you know, horrific ways that these people, these predators try to get in contact mm. with children. So obviously, you know, I guess anyone who hears that sort of stuff, you, you want to do whatever you can to help, right? And mm. um, it was in 2020 actually, and they were having a charity event and I just reached out to Adam and, you know, sent a, a signed a jersey over for um, one of his charity events. We got to talking, um, you know, a few months later after a few conversations, he asked if we wanted to be, have more involvement with the, with the organization and we both put our hand up. That's, it's such a dark world that world is in. Like you, you obviously people will hear about it and they're wherever. There's also a part of your brain that tries to create the feeling that's not really real. Like it's like, yeah, you try to like, what do they call it? Um, so, but you kind of like create a part in your brain where you kind of mm. then, but the reality is it's so real. Yeah. Um, there are millions of people affected, not, and, yeah. and I've got a friend, different, different organization, but, um, involved in the human trafficking side of things. And you just realize there's so many, mm. and especially when it comes to children, like, yeah. like the, the fact that people are taking advantage of vulnerable children is, is unbelievable and cause such a dark world. There's not many people shining a light there. And that's why people like, you know, is it Adam, is it? Yes. Them actually just doing something to shine a light on it actually force people to realize that, you know, that you have to look at this. Hold on mm. a second. This, I know, I know it's convenient for you not to consider and think that it's not real, but the reality is it's very real and it's mm. affecting millions of people. Um, and I think the more people that like people like you and people that shine a light and get involved and, and point others to the facts and the reality of it. Yeah. It's, it's only going to help lives and, and help change um, the way that that kind of world gets to operate at the moment. It's, um, it's it's unfortunate that we even have to talk about the fact that it's real. Yeah, it's mm. it's a very difficult conversation to have, but a very important one to be having. I think the first time I sort of my eyes were sort of open to that industry and you know some of the horrendous things that are going on in the world was actually on our trip over to South Africa. Mm. We visited that school and we you know, were a part of that and watched how that program was presented about child safety, yeah. about things to look out for. Obviously, in South Africa, you know, s these children are at very high risk of, um, you know, being taken, yeah. you know, being exploited. They use, you know, techniques. I think they were talking about, you know, with the boys, you know, wow, you look like an amazing soccer player. You can come with us. I have an opportunity. The yeah. girls, you know, you could be a model. Yeah. These people, the opportunities just sound yeah. too good and they, they take it. Um, and being a part of that presentation and seeing some of the stuff, you know, that they were showing yep. really just... Well, that, that's actually the organization I was talking about. A21. Yeah, A21. Yeah. So um, Mitch came over with us to... Um, we did some work with Hillsong South Africa, uh, Hillsong Africa Foundation in South Africa. Um, and then we did um, kind of chimed in and, and sat in on an A21 presentation at, at a school. Uh, incredible when you think about the amount of lives. I think it was... I can't remember the stat, but it was millions of people yeah. that are affected by slavery and, yep. and um, trafficking. Um but also, it's uh, the fact that you've you've kind of always had a heart to open your eyes. It's very easy for people to ignore it, but like you've always been the first one to put your hand up and say, "If you need anything, let me know." And um, that African trip was just a perfect example. We I remember we went over there to build mm. bricks to help yeah. the community there. So um, we had, it was also some good fun, Benny. Um, 
it was South Africa is a, is an amazing amazing place. Yeah. yeah. Um, they come up with some uh, amazing humans. Mm. Yeah. Such as my wife. Yep. Yes. Yeah. You're listening, Steph. Did you You're probably not listening because did she you meet her over there or? Nah, she came here. She was here studying at Bible College. Okay. And we met here, and Mitchell can tell you the story, but. I uh, used a wild dog technique yeah. where I just chased her down until she was tired and just gave in <laughs> and said, all right, all right, I'll give you, I'll give you an opportunity. Uh, and then I swept her off her feet. Uh, what yeah. did she think of you, first impressions? Uh, probably scary Middle Eastern man. Yeah. She didn't know much about rugby league. She didn't know any about rugby league at the time. Ah. Uh, comes from an Afrikaans rugby family. Yeah, okay. Um, and didn't know who on earth I was and why I was harassing her. How good. Well, not harassing. Just harassing. interested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mitch, what are you? How did you, you meet Mads? We met um, at Opera Bar. You were there the night we met, actually. Really? Oh, yes. Well, I'm part of history. You were a part of history. I think you were too busy stuffing your face with dumplings at the time. Yeah, I remember the dumplings, yeah? Yeah, I remember it was Liam Mossop's um, baby shower, actually. We were going out for oh, the baby's head, sorry. Did you guys meet then? Yes, just, just before oh, I moved Oh, my goodness, it's all coming back to me now. I've had yeah. too many hits of the head. I remember, and then you <laughs> kind of went like... Zero to 100. Before you knew it, like the first two weeks, we didn't see that. You were like on 20 dates in two weeks. Guilty. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good, good on you. That's yeah. awesome. It was just a classic story. Meet, fall in love, move to the other side of the world together. The rest is history. And we, we did America in that time as well, didn't we? We yeah. did LA. It's like a nice, calm trip, relaxing. Yep. Um, you also... There was a time where you um, may or may not have stolen Willie Tonga's cheesecake, which was a story <laughs> for another day, Benny. <laughs> One of the funniest moments of my life. Um, Tong, Tong's a special man too. Tong, he's someone, he demands respect, Willie Tonga. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a gentleman. He, the way he just conducts himself, he sort of demands respect. And sometimes that's like, that's like temptation to do something naughty, you know what I mean? And Timmy, Timmy's <laughs> like the devil's the advocate. So I, I, I love my cheesecake. I, at first, of it, I was just like, let's just have a bite. Before I know it, Mitch is stuffing his face with uh, cheesecake that was not his. Um, that's a, hey, Sorry for the inside joke, guys, all the listeners out there. Um, let's get back to business. And it's a time of the show that we are really excited about. I know Mitchell's very nervous about uh, he's obviously heard about it because it's, uh, it's, it's a very prominent part of our show. It is the 60-second Blitz with Blitz. Okay. Oof. Now, Mitch, I'm just going to fire 60 seconds worth of questions at you, and you've just got to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Shoot me. Okay. Uh, favorite food? Um, pizza. Worst date you've ever been on? Um, with Timmy. <laughs> when you could, you could get, on, uh, you get on a plane with your family, what's the ultimate holiday destination? Ooh, Italy. Ooh. Okay. Have you been there? Yeah, a few times. Oh, right, oh, big okay. shot. Yeah, oh, sorry. 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 So cultured. Drop that. Oh. Yeah, now you go to the movies, you go to the snack bar, you can pick two things. Oh. What, are you, what are you choosing? You know what? I'm like a snake's, like, I love lollies. Yeah, okay. And then I'll get two packets. Actually. Ooh, oh. not, not even a drink? Nah, because if I get popcorn, I know my kids are going to eat that yeah. before it starts. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, love yeah. The, love the thought yeah. process. You Has anyone done that? Has anyone finished their popcorn before the movie starts? I have to. That's yeah. a lot. It's yeah. a lot of popcorn. I'm, I'm been, we've been there. I don't think I could do that. It's a lot of salt. I can't help it. If something's in front of me, like I just have to like keep going until it's finished. Yeah, yeah I know you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so does Steph. Can you um, name any any person that you would uh, like to meet? Um, if you could meet anyone, who would you meet and why? Oh. Alive or dead or doesn't no, both, mate. Either. Either. Um, either or. You know what? Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Wow, yes. 
Not, not Chris Rock. You don't want to meet Chris? No. I'm, Ask him how he's going. We could both go do a HIA together, actually. It <laughs> <Yeah>. might help. <laughs> uh, worst investment you ever made? Ooh. Um, worst investment ever made. Oh, I don't know. Best investment you've ever made? Maybe a next girlfriend. Worst yeah. investment. You know oh, what? Okay. Actually, I like that. I actually thought you were going to say yeah, that. Like, I, no, know. You know what? I didn't know if it was appropriate or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. no, it's play on. Play yeah, on anyway. Oh, yeah, well yeah. done. Um, now, our favorite movie. Last one. Pineapple Express. Oh, great movie. Funny. All right. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to admit, I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the we rundown? Pick, What's we the, picked that. Comedy? Comedy. Yeah. Uh, ridiculous comedy. Mm, yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, good laugh. While we're on the theme of, of uh, the, the Will Smith thing, are we, are we th- is it real? It happened. It's. I don't know. You just don't, it's hard to know these days. They yeah. come out in three months and go, "Gotcha." Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're you. joking about it. No. Yeah. But it looks pretty, pretty real. It looks yeah. pretty real. Yeah. But they get also they're very good actors. So if it was fake, they they, they the could do it. They, they are the best in the business. Yeah. yeah, I think it's best to always question everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, and just sit on it for a while and come with your own opinion. Yeah. What it does do though is I don't like what it's doing. Like it doesn't. It's not culturally good. No. Yeah. I don't want young kids thinking, okay, well, it's fine to go slap someone across the face and sit back down and like nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not good. Yeah. There's a lot of sides to this coin, isn't there? Oh, yeah. You can, you can, you can pick this apart. Yeah. But we're already cancelled, so we might as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Richie. Yeah. No, no, no. No, you're not going to go there? We can keep going. No, no. We can keep going. There's what a few hot topics we can touch on. Oh, there's plenty of hot <laughs> topics. Let's <laughs> not. But, hey, this is, this is the spirit of sport, This is the place mate. to do this it. This is right. Yeah, we're the spirit of sport. We are comfortable talking about the hot topics, Benny. That's right. We're not scared. That's right. All right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, Mitchell. Yes. I've got a question for you, which is coming up. It's come up a lot in the last few weeks with a few of my Paramount X teammates. Oh, no. So if I get a coffee, right? Yes. Now, I've gone and got a double shot piccolo to start the day. Yeah. Okay. Then I've gone and got a cappuccino. Mm-hmm. And then I've had a long black. How many coffees have I had in one day? You've had three. Three? Yeah. Uh, so the double shot counts as one for you? Yes. I agree. You agree? Yeah. What do you What do you think? Well, I was listening to the argument for a little while, and I was sitting on the fence. Yeah. Just didn't want to get involved. I had some views, yeah. probably leaning towards where you guys were. Yeah. And then David Gower, who is a genius. He's a he's a living genius. Yeah. Another thinker. He, there's a, there a big mug just in there. And he goes, okay, let me prove my point to you. Mm. So he got his piccolo. He got my piccolo. He poured them both in the same mug. He said, how many coffees are there now? I said, there's two in there. He goes, thank you. Yeah. It's, this is groundbreaking mm. stuff. Okay, you? so if I eat a burger. Oh, we were talking about this before as well. So if I get a double yeah. beef burger. Yeah, yeah. How many burgers did I eat? Double beef burger. You've had one. If I've, yeah, double quarter pounder. I've had one burger. Okay, but if you got one burger and put it on top of another and squash <laughs> it together and ate it, you have two. But it's only the shot. The shot is just the ingredient. You know, just as a patty is also in there. Oof. Yeah, but you can have a shot on its own, and that's a coffee. Yeah, like espresso. An espresso is a shot. That's all it is. It's a deep question. Listeners, thank you so much for hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's an absolute mind bender. It, no, it, it actually, I, want, I would love to know what listeners think. Yeah. You know, because it's just, a, it's interesting. Yeah, jump on our thought. Instagram, guys. Let us know. Speaking of Instagram, um, are, you, are you very active on Instagram? A little bit. I dabble. I feel like I don't know if I'm getting old, but I don't I don't use it like I used to. It's a bit of work. It's a bit of work. Like I don't uh, this is gonna sound even worse. I don't care about what other people are doing. Wow. 
You know, is that is that older than I don't know? Maybe that's no, older. That's good. Mm. I like it. Like I used to, and I and my missus used to always laugh at me. She used to always say, "You like everything on Instagram." Because I used to literally everyone I followed on Instagram, my mates. Mm. So I used to go like, 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 like everything. Yeah. Just oh, that's interesting. Like it. Yeah, yeah. Now I wouldn't even flick past the first picture, so I wouldn't even know what someone posted. That's Just how like, little I'm interested. In, I'm trying. Do you care what people think about what you're posting? I don't post very often anymore either. Yeah. Okay. Which is yeah. And if I post something, it's usually, uh, I don't know, maybe work-related or, yeah. Listen, I, I think deep down everyone everyone like likes to be liked. And I think mm. that's something that I've had to work on because I felt like I was probably a bit of a people pleaser growing up where same thing as Mitchell. Like I'm happy to move three houses, but I don't want anyone to help me because yeah, you know, how yeah. dare I you know, trouble you? And yeah. like, no, no, I can do it. Um, but that's just a bit about my journey, about uh, self-discovery and not really... Whether yeah, self-discovery like through Instagram. Mm. Oh, well, it doesn't really matter what the medium is. As long as you get there. Yeah. Mitch, now, I don't, I, I don't want to finish on a, on, a, on a somber note, so let's, let's, let's pick this back up yeah, again. Yes, right. All right. We had a teammate of ours, and let's just, let's just go, Jared Hayne, mm -hmm. who was on Heard the... Heard of him? Yeah, on the football field, could do things like no other. Yeah. He um he once came up with a theory. He came up with a few theories. There's a few, yeah. There's a few which theories. One? Let's go through. Oh, there's a couple I want to ask you about. The mm. first one I want to talk about is his energy levels mm. before a game. What did he explain? How did he explain it to you? I think so. Well, we just finished a captain's run or something. Well, he was dropping me home. I just lived down the road from the ground, so I just jumped in. And as soon as I got in the car, he just started. He's like, man, it's way too long to go on the field for, man. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, well... The way my body works, the way I'm set up. It's like, have you played like Tekken or Mortal Kombat? You know, they've got like an energy bar. That, that's how I work, but with a power bar. And if you use up too much of my power bar, it don't come back. I've used too much of it up. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? He's like, you know, like in those games? He's like, yeah, I only get a little bit and it doesn't, it doesn't come back and they've used it up. It's too much. And I'm like, man. And this is like I've sort of said. A lot of the things that Haynes said he's at genius. the time, I was like, what are you talking? And then now I'm like, that sort of makes sense, right? <laughs> like, you don't want to overexert yourself. It's yeah, like the, yeah. you know, remember his, remember his little sleep trick? He yeah, used that's to do? the other one I wanted to ask you about, yeah. Another, another Hainsey trick that he used to, that he, well, his little theory. So he'd come in the training sometimes when we had those early morning starts. He'd roll in, scrape just in, just in time. And he would come in still in his pajamas, like just how he woke up, with his eyes all squinted, like closed up. And I'm like, man, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I drive in, I stay like with my eyes squinted. I want to trick my body and make it think it's still asleep. I, I stay in sleep mode, so I keep resting. <laughs> I go, so then I feel fresh, right? And I'm like, what? Oh. Again, like, I think it's hilarious. Years later, I'm like, that sort of makes sense. <laughs> like, the power of his mind, he can, like, believe that he's rested even longer and stuff. Oh, yeah. But he would come out with stuff all the time like that. Oh. He was ahead of the game. Remember even back in, like, 2009 and 10, and he was having conversations about, you know, the forwards and backs, we should be doing different training. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, this was years before when everyone would just get flogged and do the same thing. Yeah, he always hated that. Yeah, he was ahead of his time with that stuff. Yeah, he hated it. And I'll tell you about his time as well. It was Fui Fui Moi Moi. Mm. Some of the things that that guy would get away with. So he went away on a pre-season. So in the off-season, you get a break. You get a six, seven, eight-week break, whatever it is, after the season finishes. He would go back home to Tonga. And where his home was, was a 40-minute flight off the main island. There's only one flight from his island to the main island of Tonga. So for him to get home, he has to get on that one flight every Thursday. For three years in a row, he came back to training three weeks late 
because he'd always say there was a hurricane on that Thursday for three weeks. So he couldn't get on the plane and get back over. <laughs> and he got away with it the first couple of times because we had Michael Hagan, the first coach. It was the first time it happened. And he goes, okay, yeah, fair enough. And so he missed three weeks. Three weeks, of, which, is a, which is a big, <laughs> big stint in the preseason. That's a, that's a oh. hard three weeks. <laughs> And then you've got a new coach coming. So Daniel Anser comes in. He does the same thing at the end of the first year. And Ender's like, oh, yeah, fair enough. But, but then the second year, he tried to do the end. Ender's like, nah, nah, nah. I know what's going on here, mate. Get your butt on a plane and oh get back over gosh. here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a man for he what was. A veteran. But I tell you what, what a man Mitchell Allgood is. And I'm so honored that you gave us your time today, mate. It's, um, I honestly, I, I can hand on heart say you're one of the best humans I got to play the game with. Um, not just because you're a mate of mine, but because you actually look at life differently and you actually want to make the world a better place. You want to make people's world a better place around you as well. Um, you're always looking at ways to impact and help people. I'm excited to see what you're going to do career-wise because um, whatever space opens or whoever's going to open a door for you, they're going to be very fortunate to have you on board because one, is, like I said, you have a great work ethic. Yeah. But two, you look at the world and have a deep thinking, understanding of the world in a way that many people don't. So you can really help people um, in ways that people can't. If even they wanted to or tried to, they couldn't do it. So we're excited to see that. We'll probably get you back on here in 12 months and, and hear the stories of uh, what you're up to and, yeah. and how, you, how you're going. So Mitchell, all good. Thanks for joining us and uh, appreciate you joining the Spirit of Sport. I appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having me. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.